You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Lots of things to discuss on the Philly front, of course, the Sixers bring in a new backup center. We're going to jump into that. Also talk about some concerns you might have with Doc Rivers. But before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us anywhere you get your fix, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out our talented writing team as well at LibertyBallers.com. Joining me for this episode, he is now a staple in the Philly sports scene, has his own podcast called You Know Ball. The slop god himself, Mr. Trill, bro, dude, Trill, <laughs> what is going on and how has the offseason been for you so far? Well, it's been very hectic. First off, thanks for having me on. There has been so much slop that has dropped and it's been so spread out throughout the offseason too, where like we'll go a few days without anything and then Donovan Mitchell gets traded and then we go a few days without anything and then the Sixers sign Montrez Harrell. So been staying busy for sure. Uh, and just just looking forward to the season now, I'm hoping that most of the slop is, is waiting until hopefully around the trade deadline and we can we can focus on the actual basketball now. Well, we can hopefully get some sleep. I think that's the you know, what's a good part of the <laughs> show from the from the content standpoint. Like I was thanking Kevin Durant. I was thanking Donovan Mitchell because I'm like, hey, you guys are giving us stuff to talk about in the NBA. Like you would say the slop front all the way through August and we got into September and we still had all this trade chatter going on when when you look. At this offseason as a whole, we'll get into the Sixers specifically in a second here. But when you look at this offseason, we had so much movement going on. Then you had the Durant stuff. You had the free agency, you know, didn't really have these these one just huge name moving. It was just a, a constant set of names being available coming from a content standpoint. How did you find this offseason compared to anything else we've seen before? So this is the first podcast the content season for me really like I did it last summer but this is the first one where it was like I was reacting to everything in real time doing emergency episodes streams podcasts all that stuff so it was great from a content perspective for sure especially like you said it was spread out throughout the summer so we got at least little little drops of slop here and there but from an overall standpoint, like I, I think that the, the, the off seasons of past, as I mentioned to you on Twitter, like, you know, the 2019 off season, I did a, a, a recent episode where we revisited that. And of mm -hmm. course, the six, Sixers had a disaster that off season. But the sheer amount of names that were moved in that off season from Anthony Davis to Paul George to Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook to Kawhi Leonard, like Kevin Durant, like the amount of people that move from team to team that offseason will still be number one for me. But I would say even though there weren't that many big names, I would say that this one is still in the top three or four just because it feels like, like you said, there's always something happening, something to keep you on your toes. And like, at least we had news coming out. Like Kevin Durant has never requested a trade before, and that was massive. Donovan Mitchell getting moved 
being the biggest name is obviously not as massive as some of these other off seasons, but it, it kept us entertained all throughout. And, and it definitely will go down as one of the more entertaining off seasons for sure. When you, when you look at, at what happened here with, with Montrez Harrell, I want to jump into the Donovan Mitchell talk with you as well, as well as, as the Eastern conference coming up in a few minutes. But when you look at the Harrell signing, right, I, this kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't really hear too much about this. There wasn't any rumblings until Woj tweeted it out basically on Tuesday, giving us the news that he's signing a two-year deal with Philly. When you heard that come down the pipeline or saw that come down the pipeline, what was your immediate reaction? Because I'm looking at this, obviously James Harden taking a little bit less money there, $15 million roughly, give or take, ended up saving the Sixers a lot of room to be able to add these guys. We saw P.J. Tucker come in. They got Daniel House. They got DeAnthony Melton. And then we kind of thought they were done for now, right? Going into this. And you look at Harold, even though it feels like he's been around the league for 27 years, he's only 28 years old, right? So it's not yeah. like he's, he's uh, you know, 35-year-old wash DeAndre Jordan or anything like that. But you look at what Harold didn't obviously have a great year last year playing for two subpar teams with the Wizards and, and Charlotte. But he averaged 14.1 points with Washington, 11.4 with Charlotte. When you look at what he brings to the table how do you think he's going to fit with what the Sixers do? And were you excited about the signing at all? Uh, well, first off, I actually saw this coming from a mile away. If you, I had tweets from June that I said, I guarantee you either one of Hassan Whiteside or Montrezl Harrell will be on the Sixers. My friend said that he was listening to a podcast that I had in May where I predicted that they would sign him. It's just a classic Doc guy, Maury guy. Maury drafted him in 2015, as you mentioned. Uh, second round pick, actually from a terrible draft. He's probably one of the 10 best players from that draft, to be honest. And, uh, you know, Harden obviously has the relationship he recruited him. I'm personally conflicted on the move. I, I think that Montrez Harrell is a good regular season player, obviously. He's been in the six man of the year conversation multiple times. He won it that one year with Doc Rivers in L.A., he is a good scoring punch to have off the bench. If you watch a lot of his film and his highlights, you know, he's running pick and rolls. He'll be a great partner on offense for James Harden. He'll definitely help the offensive rebounding a lot, which was another area that, you know, was incredibly concerning for the Sixers last year. And now they've added three really good rebounders with Harold Tucker and Melton, who's one of the best guard rebounders in the NBA. So I do like that element of it. And I like the fact that they'll hopefully be able to keep Embiid fresh and maybe run some of the offense with dribble handoffs and pick and rolls through Montrez as he's shown in the past that he can. The big concern to me is less to do with Montrez Harrell and more to do with Doc Rivers. And I know I'm not the first person to say this, but my big concern is that, you know, like you said, it's not DeAndre Jordan. Montrez Harrell has been, every time Montrezl Harrell has been on the court for the past five years, I believe, his team has have, has a positive net rating overall, which is a good thing. And most of the time, they're better when he's on the court. So that, that at least is a positive sign. Whereas by the time DeAndre Jordan got here, every single time he was on the court, his team bled points. They were like negative 10 in net rating per 100 possessions. And Montrez is like a plus five, plus six. Like he's going to bring an element to the Sixers offense that I think that, you know, Paul Reed, we were hoping Charles Bassey could be that. We were hoping Paul Reed could be that. And while I think Paul Reed's probably still a better two-way player, Montrez in the regular season at least will bring us 
uh, a little bit of just making the offense more dynamic. I think that this offense is going to be incredibly dynamic. I, I do have concerns about the defense, but I think with the Sixers adding really good help defenders in Melton and Tucker, I'm not quite as concerned about the regular season. But once again, it's just Doc Rivers for me. Because if Doc thinks that he could play Montrez past the first round of the playoffs, then then that's where we're screwed because he <laughs> cannot play past the first round of the playoffs. He can't. Well, he's proven it time and time again that he is unable to play past the first round of the playoffs. Well, it, it, it's funny because you mentioned that. Like we saw the corpse of DeAndre Jordan, who somehow got another contract this year with the Nuggets. I don't know what the hell they were they were thinking too. But when you when you look at the at the Doc Rivers, the factor of that, right? Like we've known and and he, he got really testy last season especially during the playoffs when people were questioning him you know they were up three nothing against the raptors ultimately got to three two and people were like well doc you've, you've given up three one leads before and he, you know he's arguing back but there's obviously something to that right and so when you look at this and we saw paul reed and i want i want to talk about him a little bit too trill is you look at what he was able to do during the playoffs last season obviously didn't play a ton in terms of getting you know 25 30 minutes a game he played just under 12 minutes a game average 3.7 points 3.8 rebounds my it's not my favorite stat but you look at his per 36 minutes still pretty damn good for a guy who's coming into the league super unheralded uh, you look at at Paul Reed right now he's 23 years old just turned 23 in June a second round pick but has the potential right still has to learn those little things that Younger players, especially guys who might not be as big name coming into the league where hey, you got to move your feet on defense instead of using your hands, getting caught, jumping up too much to block shots. I mean, you look at his per 36 minutes, like I mentioned, he, he would have had seven and a half fouls in 36 minutes per game, right. which is not a yeah. good thing. But Norvell um, Pell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you look at you look at how this affects Paul Reed. Do you think this was a Doc Rivers decision or a Daryl Morey thing? And and ultimately how much of a knock do you think this is on on Paul Reed that he might not be ready to to consistently give those backup minutes to a Joel Embiid? I, I do think that it's probably a group decision. I would imagine. Um, you know, Daryl obviously likes Montrez. He drafted him. Uh, I, I think that Doc definitely has say over roster spots. Still, from from everything that we've heard, there's at least two or three spots that Doc gets to kind of pick who he wants for those. That's at least part of the deal, or at least we're we're believed that it is part of the deal. You know, the fact that Harden recruited him made me think that Maury might be a little bit more on board than people want to admit. Uh, I think that Maury has avoided a lot of criticism when it comes to these signings because, you know, we just think it's Doc, but he is the GM. And if he turns down the guys that Doc wants, then, you know, they're not on the team. That's kind of what the reality of this situation is. But I think the fact that Harden's his guy, he took a pay cut, he wanted him. And Maury is generally very, very friendly to his star players. Went out and got P.J. Tucker because Embiid wanted him. He's going to go out and get Montrezl Harrell if James Harden wants him. So I don't even know if it's necessarily a knock on Paul Reed. Uh, maybe it's just they wanted... I, I, I'm not positive that... You know, it's going to be tough to play two non-shooters for sure. But I'm not positive that Paul Reed can't play the foursome and have Joel as the center in those lineups as long as Thibel isn't on the court like as the one non-shooter that you can maybe park in the dunker spot or you know have him be a little bit of an offensive rebounder like those kind of things I think that the ideally he's a five and he should play that five role but 
you know, I don't think that it means that he's 100% completely out of the rotation, although you would think that they want George Niang shooting off the bench. So that would kind of shrink a little bit of the opportunities for Paul Reed at the four. But we'll see. Between Tucker, Reed, Harrell, there's going to be a lot of options at the backup center position. And that's what I really like about this. To me, it's more of a knock on Charles Bassey, who I don't even mm-hmm. think is going to make the team now. Because obviously you don't have a ton of confidence in him if you're going out and getting another center because they're not going to spend five roster spots on centers again. And now you're going to have four, at least four guys who can play center between Embiid and the three guys I mentioned. So I think it's probably more so that they realize, look, Bassey is not even close to ready. He might not even be on this team. We might cut him. And with Montrez, you know, at least we have another option. And if things really go south, whether in the locker room or he's just not a good fit or whatever, we can always trade him because he's on a veterans minimum deal and we can figure out the rest later. And for now, you know, Paul Reed will see he's going into the last year of his deal too. Maybe, maybe they they have the their eye on a target that they want to trade for, and that they know that team's interested in Paul Reed, and he might be a guy that they'd move at the deadline. And then they have Harrell as another option. So, so we'll see. I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of complexity to it, but I would say Bassey's probably more so the guy that's on the outs uh, as opposed to Paul Reed. Yeah, that, that's the that, that's probably the sentiment I'm I'm, I'm going to go with too. Because even with Charles Bassey, he seems like one of those guys that if he can kind of put things together with the growth and I think the mental aspect of the game, I think he he could have a future as a rotational guy. Because you look at his athleticism, he's a, a rebounding freak. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's in the G League. Even when the in the the few yeah. minutes he got in the NBA, the guy can rebound. The guy can block shots. He has that element to his game. Obviously, offensively, he struggles, not going to create a whole lot for you in terms of off the block or, or setting up his teammates. But he does have the the body and the game that he can be at least a rotational guy as a rim protector. The question is, is he going to put it all together? Uh, Trill, I will ask you this as well. You look at this Harold thing, and, and I'm with you. You know what? Last season, we saw this in the play. You don't want George Niang being your sixth guy. That's no disrespect to him. I actually love George Niang. I think what he brings to the table in terms of the mentality, being able to fill it up whenever he wants to shoot near 40% or at 40% roughly from, from three last season. Struggled a bit in the playoffs, had that knee injury, but you're bumping him down to maybe your eighth or ninth guy now, right? Because you have your starters, which I think likely are going to be obviously the big three with Embiid, Harden, Maxi. You're going to have Tobias Harris there, PJ Tucker likely, and then you got Melton House off the bench. And then you, you can have Niang, you can have Montrezl, you can have Paul Reed. But when you when you look at this from your perspective, what's the best case scenario for Montrez Harrell next season? What's the worst case scenario for Montrez Harrell? I would say best case scenario is he is a guy who can fill in for Embiid when he needs to rest during the regular season and he proves to be completely capable. You know, in the nights where Embiid isn't going to play, Harold can play 25 minutes on a good night. And if that is the case, that's going to be massively beneficial. It's kind of similar to the Andre Drummond signing. Like my reaction to this is probably closer to what it was to Andre Drummond as opposed to DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard or even Dwight Howard at the time. I was like, it's fine. He's a backup center. I should just say DeAndre Jordan because the fact that you know that you can have Harold play starters minutes sometimes. He's not necessarily going to start. But he can play starters minutes sometimes. He can come and be a reliable pick and roll partner for James Harden, as we said, and just kind of hope that you can survive on offense and make your or, or on defense and make your offense that much more dynamic and really bring it up a level because it feels like this Sixers offense is going to be absolutely insane to me. And then in the nights where, you know, 
Embiid goes to the bench even, even if Embiid is sitting 15, 20 minutes in a game. It's a different look that you can bring offensively with with him and Harden running some backup units if, if Doc chooses to split those two up. So I would say best case scenario, you're getting maybe, you know, you're keeping Montrez happy by giving him a role that's important as a backup center like he's used to, but also giving him the opportunities to play starters minutes here and there and kind of give that element of rebounding, you know, he, he's going to grind it out. He's going to, he's actually pretty decent in transition. Like he's going to give you a different look because he's very athletic and he's got some vertical pop that you just have not really had. It's generally speaking, these backups for Embiid have almost always been kind of stiffs. They've kind of been <laughs> guys who like, I mean, and no knock on Andre Drummond, who actually is pretty mobile for a guy, his size and very athletic, but like, Montrez has more vertical pop and he's going to be able to do a little bit more in that regard. So I think that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is he's unhappy with his role, which we saw with the Lakers, which we saw with the Wizards. Like he has been a guy who has not been, uh, you know, quiet when he doesn't feel like he's getting enough touches or he's involved enough in the offense or on the team or getting enough minutes. So the worst case scenario is that he is a locker room problem and that they they probably can move his contract at that point. You know, he does have a player option next year, but it's a veteran's minimum. Like, I really don't think it's going to be too hard. He, he's he been in the league for a while, so he makes, you know, the Woj said in the article, oh, it's a two-year, five-point-whatever-million-dollar contract. I'm like, it's the veteran's minimum. I know you're trying to make it sound better, but, like, since he's been in the league for so long, it is a little bit more than your average uh, veteran's minimum. But I would say that's probably best-case scenario for him and, and worst-case scenario for him. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And if he, if he does kind of become a nuisance in the locker room, they're going to get rid of him. But like you mentioned, like you mentioned, Trill, he has vertical pop. I have no pop whatsoever with my four inch vertical. So I'm not going to sit here and, <laughs> and get into that. Uh, let's take a short break. I wanted to jump in some Eastern Conference talk as well. As we mentioned, the Donovan Mitchell trade happened to the Cavs, which came out of nowhere. We'll do that coming up in about a minute. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, we're back. Wanting to jump into some Eastern Conference talk with you, Trill. We look at the top teams, right, in the East. You got Miami, you got Boston, you got Philly, you got Milwaukee. We assume, depending on what's happening with the tire fire in Brooklyn, where it went from, I'm not going to play, if Steve Nash and Sean Marks are there, that nothing materialized. We know that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are going to be the focal points of that Nets team. So you basically got, what's five squads right there. Now you got the Cavs coming up. They got Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, who I think if they if doesn't get hurt last year, definitely are going to be right there with the Bulls for the number six seed and at least get into one playoff series, depending on what happened against the Bucks. Let's just say if if the Cavs did end up as, as the number six spot last season. But now they get Donovan Mitchell. Uh, this young guy, 25 years old, obviously gave up a boatload of picks to get him, gave up the first round pick this year. When you look at that trade, because we were hearing this trail the whole time was it's going to be the Knicks. It's just a matter of time. Obviously, when the Knicks re-inked RJ Barrett, people are like, Ooh, OK, I wonder what's happening there. Are there are those two teams in terms of Utah and New York not really on the same page with this? And then, boom, we see, hey, the Cavs have landed Donovan Mitchell in a trade. When you look at that Cleveland team, where do you put it amongst the Eastern Conference contenders right now? Because I'm looking at that conference. That is nine deep at least. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that 10th spot in terms of the plane. It might be Charlotte, it might be New York. If, if the Knicks improve a little bit, maybe Bradley Beal goes off a bit and Washington climbs up. I don't think Indy, Detroit, or Orlando are going to have much to say, although I am looking forward to seeing the Pistons and Magic just with their young talent. But when you look at that Cavs squad now, where do you put them amongst the Eastern Conference contenders? So I, it, it's too hard to predict what the standings are going to be because there's always weird stuff that happens. It's a long regular season. There's injuries. There's, you know, guys like Kyrie Irving who just are like, no, nah, I'm not going to play. You know, you always have something strange that could throw it off that you can't really predict. But in terms of tiers, assuming health, I would imagine that they're probably in that second tier. Probably put them a little bit lower in the second tier. My first tier is Boston and Milwaukee. I think you just have to give Boston credit. They've been to three conference finals with Tatum and Brown now. They've been, they finally cracked through and they got to the finals last year. They've got even better depth by adding Malcolm Brogdon this offseason for basically nothing. Uh, and then you also have on top of that, you have the fact that, uh, you know, the Bucks are the Bucks. They have Giannis. They have the best player in the world. And then they also have, you know, Chris Middleton will be back and, and we presume health. And as long as they don't fall off due to age, I think they've already won a title. They are, or could have won another title last year if maybe they stayed healthy. So I would probably go those two in the first tier. And then the second tier, I have the Sixers, Heat, and Nets. And then I would add the Cavs to that. And I think that... The question marks around the Nets is 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 really what keeps them in this second tier to me. Uh, and could I think they have a high ceiling because I think they're incredibly talented, but I also think they have a very, very, very low floor due to the fact that this could blow up. I don't buy the fact that Kevin Durant's like buying in or whatever. That's not how these things work. That's not really how it is. You know, the the, the reality is they couldn't find a trade. And I don't think everything's gonna be great and everyone's gonna be singing kumbaya. Like I think that it's gonna get to the point where it, it, you know, if they do underperform, things could go off the rails pretty quickly there. But Cleveland entering this mix is interesting to me. 
because I, I first off, love the move for the Cavs. I think making an all-in move like this when Evan Mobley's still on his rookie contract, Jared Allen's on a value contract, Darius Garland's just entering his max deal, I think is a really, really smart time to kind of capitalize on this. I, I was saying all offseason, why doesn't another team, like I said the Pelicans were the team I thought we were just going to jump in and throw a ton of picks at the Jazz. But mm-hmm. I kept saying, why is there not another team that's just saying, all right, if this deal isn't getting done, we're going to get involved. And they obviously get involved. And I love the Mitchell Garland backcourt offensively. It's going to be amazing. I think defensively, Allen and Mobley are good enough as help defenders and rim protectors that they can really make that defense work. Uh, The only question I have about the Cavs is like, I think offensively, they're going to be really dynamic. Defensively, I think just with those two on the roster, they're going to be at least above average and then i think that the real question for me is who is the wing who are the wings on that team they don't like in the modern nba it pays to have some versatile wings like i think the sixers have learned that over the years you know not really ever having these versatile kind of three and d-ish wings that can play off of stars and when we do you know we trade them for for zaire smith on draft night and that stuff but like the 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 Cavs wing depth is absolutely terrible. And if, mm. if if they have zero wings, I'm not incredibly confident in them making a deep run this year. Uh, I'm not an Isaac Okoro believer. I know he has a lot of uh, believers out there. I'm not personally a big fan of his. But like unless they can find that in the roster, I don't really know where they're going to find that. But once again, love the trade just because like push in your chips. Why not? You'll get Donovan Mitchell for at least two or three years and you can figure out the rest later. You have four all-star, maybe all NBA talents. If Garland and Mobley get better and Mitchell's already on the fringes of that conversation. So I love it. And I love where, where it moves them from that plan range to that second tier. But I, I do think that like, if, if we're talking about like, contending for championships i don't think this year is going to be the year that they're like 100 contending oh I'm, I'm with you and one guy we, we forgot to mention too is is jared allen right he's 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 a he's an all-star that he's a young guy too I, I think they have the core built in order to make some moves and this is the way i was looking at it trill and i said this before on the podcast when i did one reacting to the donovan mitchell stuff the Cavs are kind of giving me memphis vibes maybe last year obviously i think they're missing that john morant level type guy who's who's you know a, a potential MVP candidate, regardless of how good or bad, wherever you think Mitchell fits into all this. I I think that they're maybe a year or two away from being a second round exit. And then if they can keep this core together, which is going to be challenging for the Cavs, because as we know, Cleveland, not a huge market guys, especially once they get to a certain level and and a certain stature in the NBA, typically want to go play in the bigger market. So I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that squad together but that team is giving me some Memphis vibes and they got to get a lot of young talent. Can they put it together? Are they going to be able to stay together? And if they are maybe two or three years from now, we're looking at them like, damn, that Cavs team is a championship contender. Uh, before we move on to, I want to ask you one more thing, especially about the Celtics. You look at them right now, obviously Danilo Gallinari, knee injury, that kind of messed things up for them. He got hurt while playing for Italy at the Eurobasket tournament. But when you look at them bringing in Malcolm Brogdon now and, and adding another piece there. Jason Tatum's going to be a year older. Jalen Brown's going to be a year older. They're going to be a little bit more motivated coming off a finals loss. How far ahead do you think? Because everybody's looking at this like it's the Celtics and everybody else. And while I, I do agree that as things stand, Boston is the best constructed roster in the Eastern Conference. I don't know how much ahead of Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, 
Brooklyn against all these other teams that are going to be there. Atlanta might make a little bit of noise, you know, getting DeJounte Murray, although I'm not that confident in the Hawks. But when you look at Boston specifically, Trill, where do you have the Celtics? How much further ahead do you think they are than the rest of those teams in the Eastern Conference, if at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Milwaukee is basically the same, if not a little bit better, because I, I, I just look at it like, like, look, I agree. I think Boston has the best one through eight in the NBA, adding Malcolm Brogdon, even with Gallo, like he was only going to be a regular season player for them anyway. Mm-hmm. But you have their their starting five that was absolutely amazing net net rating wise. And really, until Robert Williams got hurt, were, you know, kind of dominating teams. So I do think that I, I I would expect some progression from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to continue to get better. So that that makes Boston a really scary team. I do think that they are certainly have that best one through eight for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, in the playoffs, top end talent usually wins. And if Tatum can become the guy that we think he can be, which I think he can be at least, which is a 1A surefire superstar carried the team in the NBA finals, which he was not able to do this year, then Boston has a legit chance to win the title. If he's not, if he's not this year, then I still think that I would favor the Bucs just because they have Giannis. And like, you know, at a certain point, like they, they lost Chris Middleton. And they still took the the Celtics to seven games. And now some of it was them scrapping out wins, but that's what the playoffs are. Like the playoffs usually turn into rock fights and Milwaukee's really, really good at that rock fight. I'll say that much. Uh, (laughs) I actually, I hate the Sixers Celtics matchup for the Sixers personally, even with the added defenders, even with all that stuff. I just think like going up against a guy of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's size and athleticism that can shoot, pull up threes is kind of poison for the Sixers just due to their fact that we have, to, generally speaking, our running drop coverage. And if it's really hard to do that unless you have guys who are amazing at fighting over screens. And while P.J. Tucker and D'Anthony Melton will be better, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be enough to slow down Boston. And, and now adding Malcolm Brogdon, having another ball handler who can fit within the offense. Like I, I, I do think that Boston is going to be a problem matchup for the Sixers. That's probably the one I hate the most for us, but I think Milwaukee, weirdly enough, even though I would probably have them as the number one, like favorite to come out of the East, I think the Sixers match up a little bit better with them. So I just like the Bucks matchup with the Sixers from the Sixers perspective a little bit more than I like the Celtics matchup. I think the fact that, the Bucks aren't a offensive don't don't have potential to be an offensive juggernaut against a team that runs a defense like the Sixers is is probably why I I'd prefer them. Uh, I think if it got into a rock fight, the Sixers might be able to come out on top of that series. Whereas the Celtics matchup, they're a bit too athletic, they're a bit too uh, wing heavy for us to kind of keep up with them. They have a lot of really good shooters. I would I would worry a lot about that matchup, but. The top of the East is is going to be stacked. I mean, like you said, like I think there's six teams that could win the East between the five we mentioned uh, that we talked about in depth and then the Miami Heat as well. So I, I just think the East, once again, is going to be a bloodbath. And like, I mean, you know, we we lost in the second round so many years in a row, but it, it would be great if they could finally break through. But it, it's just going to be tough with how good the league is right now.
Yeah. And, and again, I, I've said this before too, Terrell, that the Sixers, nobody gives a crap how they do in the regular season. They can win 45 games and struggle as long as they get to the finals or are right there for a championship or win the championship. Nobody's going to care if they win 65 games and, and flame out uh, and they flame out in the second round. Nobody's going to be like, it was a good year. You know what I mean? So this team needs to perform come time for April or May. All right, Troll, let's transition from some NBA talk to you and you getting started, like you said, doing this for the first time. You've done a great job building yourself up in the Philly sports scene. A lot of people know you as the Slop God, know you, your podcast, you know, Ball, like we mentioned, which you can listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much all anywhere people do get their podcast fixed. When you got into this and getting started, what has it been like for you over the last year? And what have you learned really about the, the sports media landscape? So I, first off, I never ex expected the podcast really to, to do anything. I started the podcast as a general podcast called find a topic. Actually, the first time I went on gastroenteritis blues, which would have been like a year, a, a little over a year and a half ago at this point, I was still going by that name. And, and it was, we were trying to find out what we wanted to do. And the Sixers episodes were the ones that did the best. And since I have a Sixers following on Twitter, it just made sense for me to kind of transition to something that fit the mold a little bit better. So then I started doing NBA and uh, Sixers content. And then the Ben Simmons thing is really what kind of went crazy with the podcast over the last year or so. Uh, obviously, it took us to the next level. And then uh, kind of all of that culminating with the trade deadline, which we deem slot fest, where... I streamed for three and a half hours and we just talked about everything that was happening with the team and with the NBA trade deadline in general. So over the last year, uh, I don't know if I've learned necessarily anything about sports media, but I, I definitely have learned that uh, people just like you when you're honest and, <laughs> and when you show your personality through the podcast or through Twitter or through whatever, um, and I, I guess that the, the slop thing has kind of become my brand because of that. And people know me because I used to be the guy that was obsessed with NBA trades, still am, but used to be, you know, the guy that was celebrating on the timeline anytime a trade came through. And it actually started because I, I, I had a, a discord at one point and in the discord, anytime we would get a rumor, I would say we're piggies who love our slop. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it started from there and it has, uh, it has grown and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing I'm most famous for. And, and, and I, once again, never expected the podcast and the YouTube channel and all this stuff to even get to the point where it was, uh, as big as it is. Yeah, it's exciting, man, because even I've, I've, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and obviously listened to you with, with the Gastro crew as well when you've come on our network. But uh, just looking at this, like you're starting off young, you're starting to do this at the right time. When you look at your ultimate goal for yourself, where do you want to be, let's say, three to five years from now? So uh, I'm not really sure. I, I'm so bad at like setting goals for myself and stuff. <laughs> but I... We all are. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, because it's just been like so unexpected uh, that the, the podcast even had a, a small amount of local success uh, in its own. But honestly, like I, I my whole thing has kind of been I want to grow, you know, Ball's brand. I want to kind of make it my regular thing, making it full time. Hopefully I'm taking steps right now to get to that point. I have some announcements coming up for this season. Uh, so keep an eye out for that for sure. But but my whole thing has basically been like, I want to make a community for Sixers fans, for fans of NBA trades, for all the free agency stuff and the draft stuff and, and make a community that is just like, 
inclusive and is fun to be honest. Like that's kind of been my whole thing is like, I feel like the NBA landscape is uh, either you have one direction, which is super serious. And I like, I appreciate a ton of people that I follow for their content for that. And then you have one uh, uh, end where it's just all hot takes and it's all like, it's just like absurdity on the other end. And that could be fun and entertaining as well, but I'm kind of just trying to be somewhere in between that and have fun with it and get the people, the fans, the listeners involved in the podcast as much as possible, whether they're commenting on the streams or coming to our live shows or, or doing whatever. But yeah, so the goal is basically just to, you know, build, you know, you know, ball into a recognizable, a brand, I guess it makes me want to cringe saying that, but you know. <laughs> Kind of, uh, kind of just like making it more uh, of a community than anything else. Well, just don't post about being an Instagram influencer where you're putting up pictures and speedos and stuff. I don't know if anybody <laughs> wants to see that. So, throw man, <laughs> that's the way it's been. But honestly, dude, I, I think you do a really good job. Um, I'm thankful for you to come on the podcast with us, and and I'm looking forward to continuing to follow your work. And who knows, maybe one day we'll, we'll be working to get together on a full time basis with with Sixers content. But uh, thanks for taking the time out to do this, man. It, it was fun talking hoops with you. I see how passionate you are. I know how much you care about the league and how informative you can be when it comes to it. So again, thanks for taking the time out, and and would love to have you on again on the podcast again during the season as well. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Troll Bro Dude. You can catch his podcast, as he mentioned, You Know Ball, anywhere you get your podcast fix. Uh, check him out on Twitter as well, at Troll Bro Dude. That'll do it for this episode. Before we wrap things up, like I always mentioned, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. You know we got you covered for all things Sixers. Actually adding a couple of new shows. We did one already. Seamus Clancy joined Paul Hudrick. That's basically a Philly-centric sports show that comes out every Tuesday. We'll have a new show launching next Thursday as well. We'll kind of give you a bit of a teaser on that as we get early into next week. But yeah, lots of great things happening for us. And obviously, we have a ton of talented writers with Paul Hudrick leading the charge at LibertyBallers.com. Jackson Frank, Sean Kennedy, a bunch of people there. Dave Early, who got you covered for all things related to the Sixers. And again, we're what? About... Less than a month now away from training camp, the Sixers are going to be in South Carolina, and we're going to start to see some real NBA games played about five weeks from now. So again, that'll do it for this episode. Appreciate y'all listening, and I'll catch up with you next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping, and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.